The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Friday, July 8th, 2016, and I am your host, Samantha Hoover. During tonight's broadcast, we are going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS's American Gothic. Welcome my co-hosts, Jess. Hey, everybody. And Poppy Chulo. Welcome, everybody, to the Hawthorne Residence. Okay, so let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 3, titled Nighthawks, aired July 6th, 2016. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. As police begin to focus on the Hawthorne family's possible connection to the Silver Bell's killer, Cam attempts to erase his past while Garrett reconnects with his. And Allison's campaign seeks the support of local professional football player Stephen Gostkowski, but the endorsement is complicated by the risky actions of one of her siblings. Hmm. Before we jump into everyone's initial reactions, let's check in with this week's ratings. So American Gothic trended down to a 0.6 demographic, or 3.1 million viewers. So this is hitting its lowest viewer numbers thus far, which it's only been three episodes, so that's not too bad. Okay, so now, what were everyone's initial reactions going into this episode? Poppy, we'll start with you. I really enjoyed the episode. I feel like each episode is getting a bit stronger. I thought the majority of the storylines were really interesting to see. And I'm loving sort of learning more about these characters and their dubious past and their dubious uh, present doings. I just, I think it's fascinating and I'm here for it. All right. All right. Jess, what did you think? This show just keeps getting creepier and creepier every week. And, like, (laughs) mostly I'm like, why am I watching this? Like, it's scaring me. I don't like it. But then, like, this other part of me is like, this is so twisted. If I stop watching now, like, I'll never know how it ends. I'll never know. I need to know. I, I need to know. I just, I'm hooked on this show. Despite my own better interests. <laughs> We're giving just nightmares. Ooh. That's nothing new. <laughs> I think that's the point though, right? Like it's more creepy as it goes on, but that that's what gets you hooked, right? Yes. I'll answer since <laughs> Jess is terrified right now. Okay. Biting the skin right off my nails. I have no nails, they're just there's just skin. That's that's lovely, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought this episode was great. Like, we were introduced to so many new things, like a couple new characters. Uh, shout out to Laura Jean Chorostecki from Hannibal, because I love her. She's Canadian. She played Garrett's ex-girlfriend. I love her. And Mayor Conley, 
he seems like a pretty shady guy. I don't know. I'm thinking everyone's a killer at this point. But the developments also into the uh, already existing storylines were amazing, I think. They were stringing it along very well, and there's 10 more episodes. I don't know what they're going to do within those 10 episodes, but I'm very excited to see how this continues on. But before we get into a thorough recap, here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. You can follow the show on Tumblr at thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. Follow the station on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at Poppy Chula Radio. You can help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. And search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the summer. Let's get into the recap. Okay, so I wanted to do some research on why this episode was named Nighthawk. So it's named after this famous painting by Edward Hopper from 1942. This painting depicts a lonely diner on the corner with a few patrons sitting at the counter with a sole man behind it. This ties in very well with the first scene that we have. Um, We see Garrett sitting outside of a diner taking notes on a woman named Christina. So he's written down a bunch of things like where she works, her day-to-day schedule, and when she's alone. Which is, you know, that's pretty normal, I think, except for the the last part. Um, So he starts to move to get out of his car until a man shows up to meet Christina at the diner and then he retreats. So having that as our opening scene, what did you guys think of that? That it was shady and creepy and creepy and shady. No. No. You know when you're just first driving a wheelchair and you're learning how to drive it and you accidentally smash into a wall but like you hurt yourself and like you think you broke something because you smashed right into something? That's Garrett, but Garrett doesn't care if he breaks something. He just keeps smashing into walls and like I understand that he is a unique case. He clearly, I feel like, with the family that he grew up in, with the house that he grew up in, obviously he's not going to turn into someone that is, you know, quote-unquote normally adjusted. And I was kind of feeling sympathetic for him, but then when I saw that he was, like, stalking that girl and, and tracking her movements, I was just like, uh, uh, uh... That's not how things happen. You're creepy, and I want to pepper spray you in the face. But then I was like, wait for it. Maybe there's a reason. But then I was like, wait, is there a reason for being a creepy stalker and literally just, like, being so hung up over this girl that you would rather just, like, lurk and write down every minuscule movement that she makes rather than actually going up to her and being like hey like you're pretty actually no don't do that because that could be seen as creepy too honestly if somebody did that to me i'd be like fuck off it it was just creepy and like so twisted and delicious and it fit right into this show 
And also, I got some secondhand embarrassment while watching it, so there's that. And also, I felt a little bit uneasy watching that, because I was like, is he more creepy than I think he is right now? Because... Yes. He doesn't know what social media is, but people do that every day. Like, people who are looking at your Facebook profiles every day, and you have no idea. So it's like, he's just doing that in real life, so that's like... No, in real life it's called stalking. On the internet it's called Facebook stalking, but it's more acceptable. Isn't it called lurking on social media, or am I just old and irrelevant? It's probably lurking, but ever since people started to do it on Facebook, they, people call it Facebook stalking, too. Okay, that's true. But, but again, like, maybe it's kind of, like, it's one of the things that I like about the show, because nothing is ever as it seems. Everything is constantly changing. Like, last episode, I felt kind of bad for him. I was like, wow, like, this guy just saw what his family was up to and fucking booked it. Like, I feel bad for him. And he is blameless. And then you have this episode starting with something that is definitely not normal or healthy behavior. And it's like, okay, well, I wasn't expecting that. So I like that each week kind of brings with it a new set of surprises. And you're never quite sure of where it's going. I think that it actually lends to the show. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, every week I'm just more surprised than I was last week. And then... In hindsight, I look back and I'm like, well, why was I surprised? I did this, something totally different last week. Poppy, do you have anything else to add to that? No, not at all. I I thought it was an interesting opening and it certainly kept me intrigued to see why is he following, stalking, observing this woman. Well, moving right along, it appears to be a new day, so we don't focus on that too long. We first see Gunther teaching Jack how to catch and trap raccoons, normal uh, stuff for a nine-year-old. And uh, yes. And then Madeline, we see Madeline offering to make Garrett breakfast, which is kind of unusual because of their last exchange. If I recall, wasn't exactly the nicest one. So yeah, after- I'm not gonna lie though, the French toast it sounded really good. Oh, I know. I'm I'm hungry just thinking about it. So after a few seconds, Garrett walks away in a huff and expresses the fact that he's not hungry. So he just storms off, and then Madeline goes into his room like a normal Snoopy mom would, right? Um, and then she picks up this photo of a young girl that just happens to be in his room. No, it's not Christina, it's somebody else. So um, then we go back to Jack and Gunther, and they continue their conversation about these traps. And then uh, their lovely neighborhood, Phyllis, appears and they argues with them, saying, You can't put these traps here. This is illegal. This is not right. This is unethical. Whatever she... Uh... Caramel! <laughs> yeah. So then her and Gunther were just like arguing and then she's visibly disgruntled so she walks away and mumbles about her cat. I need to keep my cat far away from this Hawthorne place. I don't know why, but I need to. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, it's a little too late for that. But I- I'm not sure if she understands. She keeps coming back, so it's like she has not learned her lesson. Moving forward, we see Tessa and Brady discussing the picture of Cam from 2002 wearing the belt that coincidentally looks like the Silver Bell's killer's weapon. Brady promises to shut down this discussion, but to do that, he needs to have Cam's DNA so he can clear and exonerate the family. So Tessa agrees to speak to Cam about this. So here we see Brady again in this DNA dilemma. So this time it would seem easier to obtain now that Madeline's not in the way. Have your thoughts changed on whether or not it's a good or bad idea for him to take the DNA from his family? 
Honestly, uh, I felt really strongly about this topic when it was brought up this time. And I, I don't know if, like, I'm alone in this, but for me, like, we even got... Like, you know, that clip that tells you what happened last time on the episode. It even, I think, started out with Tess saying, I can't bury dad until I find out what this is all about. So she's really invested in solving this mystery, or at least she seems to be invested. And we've been shown that she's invested. She has said multiple times that she would like to clear the air and hopefully clear her father's name. But when Brady has the power to do so... She absolutely clamors up and, and follows her bio family's advice. And honestly, as naive as Tess is, I feel like you have to be really, really almost spineless to not understand that your family is shady as shit and definitely has an ulterior motive. And they're not trying to help solve this mystery. All they're trying to do is hide their dirty laundry, keep it a secret. They're trying to protect the killer. They're trying to protect themselves. They're not interested in justice for the people that did lose family members or friends or whatever. They are not on the side of the law. They're on the side of themselves. And so I was really disappointed in Tess for being like, well, my family, who, by the way, clearly has shown that they all have an aptitude for keeping secrets and keeping me in the dark, I'm going to go with them instead of my husband, who up until this point has proven himself to be a law-abiding citizen that is definitely not as shady as my creepy mom and weird siblings. Poppy, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I, I really felt for Brady because you could tell that he wants to help his family. He married into this family. This is his wife's family. And you can tell that his intentions are very good. You know, he's like, let's try to clear things out, you know, see if you can get him to say yes. And, uh, you know, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. Because obviously, if someone else is going to do it, they're not going to care. They're going to, you know, make it into a big thing and, and uh, it, it could become a lot more dramatic than it needed to be. So he really wanted to take control of the situation. And at least at the beginning, it seemed as if Tessa was going to comply and like was going to try to help out. But then all of a sudden, you know, Madeline stonewalled them. And of course, because Madeline is trying to control all the puppet strings. Oh, oh, puppets. I'll see what I did there. That's called a uh, foreshadowing, listeners. Yeah, like, she was, in my opinion, she was willing to talk to Cam, so in this part of the episode, she's willing to ask Cam about it, so she's not totally saying no right now. So moving ahead, Madeline appears to call another family meeting about Mitch's will, and she declares that Mitch has left everything to Madeline including the concrete company, so she is left in control of his company, which is also very convenient. But she reveals that she's been in talks with Mitch before he died uh, to sell it due to his condition. Um, it's too much for Madeline alone to take care of it. And then Allison was the only one that said, hey, this is dad's legacy. Like, what the heck? Madeline cut her off and said, Mitch would want you guys to respect my decision. And that was the end of that. But then Tessa, in the next breath, confronts Cam about this picture in the belt. So Cam claims to not remember that time was not good for him. He was on a lot of drugs. Madeline chimes in and says, oh, I gave this to Gunther to give to Goodwill. 
Allison's like, well, it could have landed in anyone's hands at this point. Cam chimes in and says, including Gunther's hands. And then Cam goes on to say, was that box of bells his? Overall, this discussion ended on a no for the DNA sample, and that was that. So how do you guys feel about this family meeting? Like, what they discussed? How did you guys feel initially? How about Poppy first? I mean, it's interesting to see sort of, like, the machinations of, like, this family. Like, what they do behind the scenes and how they handle things uh, when, you know, it comes, like, rare and, like, right in their face. I I thought the whole dynamic was interesting. Certainly, Madeline is uh like mama bear you know she's trying to be like the hbic you know the person in charge the person who's in control of things and you can see everything that she's trying to do to make sure that everything goes her way and getting into her mindset i completely understand why she was like oh hell no you know oh no 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 you know dna and all this kind of stuff and you know he'll be in the system and all this kind of thing i i get it but it looks hella shady like it's like what are you trying to hide if you want to be open and honest and if you want to exude as if you know you are a hundred percent innocent of any wrongdoing it just seems very shady I don't think Madeline has exuded one innocent bone in her body since we saw her face. (laughs) Well, there's that too. I'm just saying. So she's not going to... Everything she says, she kind of has contempt in her voice and also in her face. It's kind of unsettling to see how she's so confident. Jess, what do you think about this? In terms of Madeline kind of taking over the discussion with the will, my first thought was what is on that piece of paper that she doesn't want those kids to see? Like, what is in there that she absolutely... Because it can't just be money and property and, like, stuff that he left for them to inherit. I I really don't think that she's just concerned about, you know, her kids having access to part of their fortune. Because I really do think that she's a mama bear. And though she may go about it the wrong way absolutely she thinks that she's got her children's best interests at heart however i could be totally wrong she could be like a complete insane serial killer but like at this point it just looks like she's going about what she believes and she's doing it the wrong way she just comes across looking like a snake and um for me I was like, what is it? Like, I was wondering, like, did he leave clues as to who this, like, did he leave them a letter? Like, hey, sorry about this, but this is who the Silver Bells killer is. Or like, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, just like a quick, like, I'm so sorry. I couldn't confess this to you in life because, you know, I was a coward or I was protecting your mother or I was protecting you or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it was all over property and money and things like that. And I I understand why she wouldn't want Cam's DNA. I know a lot of parents that have that same mentality towards their children when they're in Cam's shoes. But unfortunately, it doesn't help anyone. And I really feel like that whole family in general protects Cam when he doesn't deserve it. And, you know, if there is something that that is actually wrong with him beyond the addiction and and whatever else he's got going on in his life, 
Like, if he actually was a threat to society and they all hit it because they all kind of knew, like, nobody would know more than Madeline. But if, if let's say, um, the his siblings kind of got a whiff of it, like, I, I feel like Garrett knows. Like, if they all kind of knew and, and hid it from everybody when he's a danger and he needs to be locked up or he needs to be in some sort of program to be rehabilitated, then he needs to go into the system. I'm sorry, but... You're putting everybody else at risk because you don't want people to know something that is nobody's fault. I mean, Cam is sick. If it is, if it is Cam, in fact, or even like the the addiction. Like, what if he ends up getting so desperate for drugs somewhere along the line that he actually hurts somebody or or like does something to someone and he absolutely needs to be punished legally like i understand why she didn't do it but i absolutely lost probably all respect for her as a character when she did that i cannot stand when they have characters that do that and i can't even explain what it is but it's it's rewarding bad behavior and negating all consequences and it is frustrating as Maybe because, like, I've seen this sort of stuff happen in real life with, like, different people. And it's just, oh, my God, it's so frustrating. I feel like, one, this whole family matter has become so much that they're just trying to focus on covering it up rather than helping him. Yes, exactly. What if he already did something? I get the feeling he already did something so bad and so awful in his teen years that he's had to cover up and we have come into their lives in the resounding aftermath of his mistakes and maybe someone else's i don't know but that's how it seems to me no that absolutely makes sense and you said it much more concisely than i did you gave me ideas (laughs) so like all right so switching over to the boston police department detective cutter everybody's favorite detective is able to begin tracking down sale records in correlation to the belt so she says hey there's like five stores that sell this belt and if we get sale records versus who was there during the time of the accident then boom and brady's like scared because he knows other things and he can't tell her so later in the evening he calls tessa and stresses that this investigation is going to turn back on the hawthorne sooner or later like if Cam's not going to give his DNA, then Brady says to Tessa, like, why don't you just give some ears? Because that will really help me out. So then she gets angry and exclaims, if her family is saying no, so am I. And she hangs up on him. So Brady later in a couple scenes steals Tessa's hairbrush without her knowing. And then asks the forensic scientist to only deliver the results of the test to him. No one else will know. Moving along a little further, we meet Kim and Sophie trying to get Jack into therapy And after some arguments between the two, they both agree that this is a good idea. So then Cam is handed the liability forms and they say the sessions are recorded. So Cam then asks if Madeline had to sign forms for him when he was in therapy. And the therapist said it's a standard procedure for underage clients. So this would mean Cam has his own tape somewhere in the facility. So then after that, he comes to the conclusion that he needs to destroy those tapes. So two things. First, do you think Brady did the right thing by taking his wife's hairbrush and taking the DNA? And second, how do you feel about Cam's reaction to these tapes? 
Well, yes, Brady <laughs> was in the right. Because as I mentioned sort of initially when I was talking about this, he's trying to help his family out. He's trying to help his wife out. And uh, like him doing it would have been the easier choice in my opinion like you don't want cutter doing this like she's going to make this into a huge ordeal and by him doing it he can soften the blow a bit and if there's nothing then it's like whoosh you know this big sigh of relief so i feel like he was in the right especially if legally even though it's a technicality because it's his house his property you know that kind of thing like he didn't necessarily 100% need her consent because it's in his home so unfortunately it, it was a little dubious but I feel like he did it for the right reasons and so I was there for him I was like okay I got your back you know you're gonna probably get caught in a shit storm but uh, I'm supporting you my friend now, as far as Cam, Cam was just so unlikable to me in this episode. Like, I, I was not liking Cam at all. And I was like, really, dude? Like, your plan is to, like, steal those tapes because you said something weird. I don't really like Soph anyway. And so Cam and Soph, like, uh, illegal criminal bosom buddies was not a show I was feeling. But uh, I was like... You're going to do this, man, and something is going to happen. Because you don't seem to be someone who's with it, who seems to fully plan things out. So I was like, he's going to slip up with something. So I was like, in my mind, I was like trying to psychically tell Cam, please forget about this. Go get high. It's very sad when the only good option in that situation is to do drugs. Jess, how did you feel about both of those things? The first one, honestly... I, I agree with Poppy. I feel like Brady, honestly, he did the wrong thing for the right reasons. Yes, those he's, are the right words. He's not trying to... He obviously doesn't want to put this family through any more than they have already been through. He's not even suspecting, you know, that one of them hardcore is the killer. He just kind of was like, oh, it's kind of suspicious that my brother-in-law has that same belt. Like, I'd better get the DNA tested just to be sure, you know, but I'm sure it's nothing. Like, it's not like he went in there with, like, a hate on for anybody in that family. Like, oh, yeah, I know their DNA is going to turn up in this crime scene and, like, I need it to show up. You know what I mean? We need to fill him in over brunch. Right? He reminds me of Airbud. He joins the basketball team in support of his human friend. So, Tess. Like, he joins into her crazy family because he loves her. Because that's, you know, he loves them too because he loves her mainly. But his priority is keeping Tess safe, I would argue. And part of that is, I think, to protect her from her own family. And as Poppy said, kind of soften the blow a little bit. Because if his... I don't know if she would be considered his colleague. I, I forget her name right now, though. Cutter. Who is it? Cutter. Okay. As he said, she would just go on in there like no holds barred and she would absolutely destroy them like warrant or not. So I feel like 
Tess putting up a, a fight in the first place was really misplaced. And I feel like if she had nothing to hide or was confident in her own family, then she wouldn't have put up such a fight. But even if, like, okay, here's my thing. I like Tess. I think she's really cool as a character, and I like that she's very different from, you know, all the other people in this whack job of a family. But this kind of made me look at her differently because I'm like, you're not as sweet and naive as you pretend to be, are you? Because if you were, you wouldn't have seen the problem in giving him the DNA he needed. So I feel like him, you know, quote-unquote, stooping to that level wasn't really stooping. Like, he was doing what any good cop would do. And he was doing so with the assurance that, you know, whatever the fallout, he is there for his wife. Just like Airbud was there for his boy at during those movies. Like, it was just... It's an unbreakable bond, guys. But... And then to answer your second question, Cam, what the fuck? Like, dude, no, stop. Okay, I, it's probably no secret. I I've, I've, can't remember if I've said it on the show or not, or if I've just kept it to myself in a festering rage. But I don't like Sophie. Like, yeah, she's had a tough backstory, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. God, she's like a human leech, just like right on his chest, or like a tick, destroying his soul. I'm like, Sophie, leave, I hate you. Like, her presence on screen makes me angry, which I guess credit to the actress, right? Because if she wasn't doing a very good job, like, she would just be a forgettable character. Like, it would just be yeah, like... Yeah, oh. she makes me itch. Yeah, exactly. It would be like, oh, that's Cam's Small the ex- drugs. <laughs> it looks like if I touched her, I'd need a tetanus shot. I, I don't even want to touch her, but, like, honestly... Like, oh, my God. <laughs> that scene with the psychiatrist like when they're in there and oh, I thought that was so disrespectful I'm like are you not a yeah. human can you not sit up in like a professional setting not even that I didn't even notice that I was like maybe that's just like the way she sits maybe she's got like posture problems maybe she's got a spinal issue who knows that's not covered but like for me when Cam is trying to explain like what's wrong with Jack she's sitting there and she's like I think he needs his parents to be back together are you fucking... Oh, that was so desperate. Five? I'm sorry, how old are you? Twelve? You need to grow up, and that is proof that you guys do not need to be together because you need to mature a lot. And Cam, I feel, like, of the two of them, I absolutely was not here for his shenanigans in this episode, but of the two of them, I feel like Cam had a better grasp of how serious... Jack's issues were and Soph seems to be in this fantasy world like oh if I just play happy family with him Jack's problems will all go away no you stupid idiot if you play happy family with him and ignore the fact that your son has some real problems going on uh, you're gonna end up murdered in your bed that's gonna happen I'm sorry that's gonna be you you're gonna be dead Jack is gonna use your skin to like go ahead and make furniture with he's gonna make like a mom's face coffee table it's just gonna be weird i don't want that coffee table (laughs) no No, but um cam making such a big deal out of those tapes i felt like it was a red herring almost but then i was like i don't know like there is obviously confidentiality rules 
when you're speaking to a professional like that. However, if you pose a danger to yourself or others, they are legally required to report you to the proper authorities. So I feel like Cam kind of confessing that, you know, he knows where a dead body is or something would fall under that. But again, I don't know if I'm having too much hope in the would-be rules of social programs like that. You know what I mean? Like maybe I'm just being optimistic about it, but I feel like his therapist would have reported it to the proper authority. But maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe she doesn't have to in that state. I'm in that state. I'm not sure. Maybe Madeline paid her off to not say anything. <clears throat> Actually, can I just say, throwback to last week because I said. I bet Cam was involved in hiding a body. I get points for that because I totally called that. I saw it from 10 miles away. And I use kilometers, so that's saying something. Alright, so moving forward, Allison is trying to boost her numbers in the mayoral campaign poll with young voters. So voters that are, you know, 18 and under. So Naomi suggests recruiting Patriots kicker Steven Goskowski, whom Tessa happens to have ties to. They set up a fundraiser for that week and the family begins preparations for their house. So we go back to Garrett. Um, he runs into his ex-girlfriend Molly, whom he abandoned 14 years prior. And she has a lot of questions, which I do not blame her. When she demands an explanation to his disappearance, he somberly admits he couldn't be the golden boy everyone expected him to be. She doesn't accept that, but she does take Garrett up on his offer to take her out for Chinese food. How did everyone else react to this piece of Garrett's past just resurfacing so suddenly? I thought it was a little suspicious and weird, uh, like a chance meeting, because obviously he was uh, he was there for this mysterious woman that he's been following. So for all of a sudden, for her to be like, oh, hey, you know, I'm here, you know, having some lemon meringue pie. What have you been up to? Tell me everything. I need answers now. It was a little convenient. It was things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, this whole show is like a big hmm. And Jess, what did you think about that? If I lived in this town, I would move. I don't <laughs> care where to, I would just move. Everyone I think in this that's town the right answer. As for Molly's situation, I liked the actress. I thought she played the character very well. But I hated the character. I understand needing answers, you know, after that long, whatever, but it's been 14 years and you're practically looking at him like he's like you're, you've been trapped on a desert island for the last 14 years and all you've wanted is a cheeseburger with a side of curly fries and you're looking at him like he's that cheeseburger with a side of curly fries. It's been 14 years. You need to rein it in. I understand wanting to get answers because I absolutely would be the same way. I would be so mad. But the way that she went about it, I was just kind of like, you need to back off. I can smell your clinginess through the screen. This, oh is not a, this is not an attractive smell on you. You need to back off. And I do agree with you for the most part. But after 14 years and they were... If they were going to be married, I would be angry. I wouldn't know how to answer that. Like, how do you prepare yourself for that you know oh absolutely i like, would be angry as hell but i i don't think that i would have gone about it in the way that she did this this entire episode like from garrett doing his little stalker thing 
to uh, Cam stealing that stuff to Gunther basically explaining raccoon traps to Jack, which let's not do that. That's a problem. You don't do that with psychotic children to Molly and Garrett, like, and everything that happens afterwards and in between. It's like, and I hate to use like a meme as an example, but it's like that Batman and Robin meme where Robin says something and then Batman just smacks him across the face. Like, my dearest hope for this series is that Batman is going to just pop up and smack these people across the face. Every single one of them. You, stop doing drugs. You, stop being a freak. You, stop stealing the cat. You just stop. (laughs) But then they agree... To, like, meet up later and go on a date. It's like, alright, I guess whatever floats your boat. I don't know. Alright, so speeding along just a little bit, we see Cam leave the house at an ungodly hour after he checks on his little child in an attempt to delete those therapy tapes. Like, he was dead set on that. Sophie had given him the backdoor entrance code earlier that day in order to break into this facility. Just a side note, she's an enabler. This is like, and they both enable each other. Mm-hmm. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, so Cam finds the tapes finally and watches them until he finds one where he mentions a body. Oh, he immediately just takes it out and snaps the CD and, and that was it. His conscience is clear, or is it? We don't know. So we also see a restless Jack sneak out of the house after Cam leaves. So like father... Like father? Yeah, there you go. So Jack somehow breaks into Phyllis's house looking for, I'm not sure what... He is in Phyllis's room while she's asleep. Oh, gosh. And he looks at her dentures and he's just like, that is something I want. And takes them. Which was weird because he is nine. He is nowhere near needing dentures. So then it's a new day. We meet up with Kim and Sophie the next day at the therapy facility waiting on Jack to finish. So in previous scenes, we've seen glimpses of how they the sessions would go. And Jack has been unamused, of course. He's a very intelligent kid, so he was just kind of not having it. So Cam and Sophie see the therapist quickly running out of there saying, I can't be Jack's therapist anymore. I'm resigning, but I can give you the best professionals in Boston. And then we see Jack coming out zipping his backpack. What was everyone's reactions to these last few scenes? Like, what is going through your heads at this very moment? I was like, oh my god. Gosh, I was like, I had a feeling once he opened the door at Cam to check in on Jack, I was like, his eyes are going to open once the door shuts. And then he escapes, and then he's looking for Caramel. And then this is probably the best PSA ever for people who have those little pet doors. Because a demonic, murderous, serial-killing or serial killer potential child can enter your house in those little pet doors because that's what Jack does and then he loudly is like caramel caramel I'm like are you going to wake up the lady then he gets up to her bedroom and I was like oh my gosh like I was like I was was like yelling through the TV Phyllis wake up because you need to like drag this boy from like his left ear out your house and like knock on Madeline's door and like throw him inside but of course she didn't and then the dentures 
And I was just like, oh gosh. But I, I love that the therapist was like, okay, you know, this this boy is too much for me. Like, uh, you need someone with like a bit better expertise. And I wish she would have said the words because she, I guess, she was trying to be nice or politically correct. But you know, she was ready to say like, this boy is batshit crazy. Like, I can't handle this. You need someone that can handle like the criminally insane. And as far as criminals. The whole thing with Cam, and then, like, the man is, like, taking the pictures, and I was like, who is this man? And I was like, this is going to bite you in the ass. And, like, he has to look all shady with, like, the baseball cap. And and then, like, he's going through the the, the discs with, like, the sessions, and then he finds the one that he doesn't like, and then he breaks it there. And I'm like are you not at all scared of like leaving like a little shard of the disc somewhere so that it seems like you broke it? And then like the bigger picture is, do you not think that this doctor has like a backup file with like all of this? Yeah. It's 2016. Who just operates on CDs anymore? There's millions of, I'm sure they have USBs or something. And then the fingerprints thing. Yeah. Like I just so hell-bent on destroying this disc i'm gonna do it and run uh if i was him like i would have taken the disc and maybe burned it at my house or something like you don't break it there like that was so stupid what does jess think about all of this that just happened here i wish batman could show up in this series and just like drop from the ceiling knock Cam out of the chair and then knock some sense into him because he needs it. Like, I've already um, spoken on the topic of of what I think about, you know, him saying something about the body. I feel like he just kind of... I feel like it was kind of a red herring, but again, like, it, it, that's just, like, a really odd thing for a kid to say without, you know, the psychiatrist somehow notifying someone. And I honestly, I was like, Cam, you need to be a little bit smarter. Like, I agree with Poppy about the potential for backups. I'm like, there's no way that she just has one copy of something, especially something that disturbing. I would honestly love if she had some sort of online backup for these things, like some sort of like password protected cloud or something, which could be argued that that's not safe, whatever, but like maybe the cloud some, of murderers. Some, some copies that she has at her own house or like in a safe somewhere. Like I, I would love for her to have backups and she actually pl- like goes into the police like all nervous eyed and this poor therapist is like, I think I have something that's relevant that you might want to see like more than a decade after the fact and I honestly that's what I want to see I want to see this therapist stepping up especially if Cam is actually a danger if he's a giant red herring and he's just being a weird teenager and maybe like she thought oh he's out of his mind on the drugs Okay, because like for a second there I couldn't tell like was he wearing the same outfit? I, I didn't notice. Like, when he's... Do you remember the scene where he's like, you think I'm high, but I'm not? 
I think he always wears black for the most part, so it's very hard okay. to tell. It literally looked like the same outfit and the same hair, so I'm like, is that, like, we're all three moments of him in the same session? Because, like, maybe she thought that he absolutely was, you know, going through some sort of a, th- a thing with the drugs. Maybe, like, maybe he has some other condition that we're unaware of, and that condition caused him to say something about a body that maybe he has no idea of what's going on like someone else in his family knows and somehow he found out but he actually doesn't know the actual location or something like that you know what I mean like maybe it's like maybe there's something deeper going on with him psychologically and he doesn't want it exposed and he doesn't want to explain it to the cops for some reason, like, I'm, I'm not sure what that would be. It's a very flimsy plot point. So I, I don't think that's it. But, like, maybe? I, I don't know. Or he's All I know is cray, that cray. Batman needs to slap him really, really hard. The only thing I worry about is the statue of limit Statute? Or the statue of limitations. Yes, yeah, statute of limitations. It's been 14 years I fear that the tapes from that long ago would not be admissible in court. Is there a statute of limitations on murder? I think, well, I don't know. Murder is usually solved within, like, the coming years. So it's not like you wait 14 years and, like, but this family is so good at hiding everything. So it's, like, impossible to tell, right? I don't know. I guess we'll see. I wonder what the statute of limitations on murder is in Boston. Yeah, it might be different, I guess. Yeah, it's different in every state, I assume, right? I'm in Canada, Uh so I don't know. Yeah, same. So moving along, it's the night of the fundraiser. So Madeline reveals to Allison that she fired Gunther out of suspicion the same day. So we then see Garrett and Molly back in his room. So I guess Chinese food went very well. So emotions overcome the two of them and like things get heated and then they take each other's clothes off and like make out and stuff until... Molly takes off his shirt and then notices Garrett has scars. And she's like, what the heck are these? And he keeps brushing it off. And she keeps asking him and asking him. And then Garrett gets aggressive and kind of just like jolts her. So she jumps up, takes her shirt off the floor and says like, don't touch me. And then she runs out in her bra in a house full of people. Oh and I'm just God. like, okay. <laughs> like, there's people downstairs. Like, you I need to put your shirt on while you go. What? I said, I'm glad I'm not the only person that noticed that. Because I was like, that's weird. Uh, that's a weird choice. I knew you were like, bothered. Like, about the donors downstairs. And I was like, you know, at least take, like, three seconds to put your blouse back on. You know, I know that you're pissed. And you're probably embarrassed, maybe, for, like, trying to get back together with him. And, like, for following the advice of a mad woman by the name of Madeline. But, like have some dignity <laughs> like try to maybe she like yeah. put it on quick in the hall or something even like, in the hall somebody could have like walked by or yeah. something like what happens if jack was just like creeping outside of the room saw her run out in her bra like just ugh, no no you should have put your shirt on and also i don't know just the way that she i don't know her like snooping around in his room like in the closet Okay, I understand, like, feeling entitled to it for nostalgia's sake, whatever. But if that was me and somebody that I didn't know, you know, intimately and hadn't seen in 14 years, 
I would be like, get your paws off my stuff. Stop touching it. I don't want you near it. Why are you doing this? But maybe that's just me. I have space issues. She must have seen her picture and was like, oh, you kept this. Oh, you're so warm, my dick. And like, I want to like sanctify this moment. I don't know what she was thinking. No, I love Sam Hoover subtitles. Yeah, should, right? Yeah. You I... should subtitle this series and make it actually sound better than it is. As for him, like, freaking out about the scars, I don't actually know if he was justified or if she was justified. Like, it's not like he Batman slapped her across the face. He just kind of was like, stop asking and pushed her away. But I think... But yeah. it was kind of gruff. It was kind of gruff, so, like, I don't... Like, he could have been nicer, but maybe she should have stopped asking about the scars. Like, what if he got them in some sort of, like, super traumatic event where he was trying to save a family from a house fire and everyone died and he was the only survivor and he just doesn't want to talk about it because it gives him PTSD flashbacks or something like that. Yes, I'm not that's, that's exactly how it happened. Like, what no. if it was something like that? No, I think Madeline gave him those scars because she... I, no, I think Garrett was involved somehow. I don't think he killed anyone. But Madeline was torturing them, the kids. I don't know how and what ways, but Cam's definitely affected. How did the girls turn out okay? I don't know. We don't know about that yet. Maybe they blocked it out. That's a possible thing. But I, I think Garrett was not conforming to what Madeline had to say and something happened where she hurt him and it scarred. That's my theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that theory. So that happens upstairs, but we're still at the fundraiser. Mayor Conley, the current mayor of Boston, shows up uninvited. He brings pictures of Cam breaking into the therapy facility. Oh no. Somehow he has a spy and he says, if you run that endorsement, these are going to the press. That's pure blackmail like to its truest form and that's just like you know, I didn't think Allison was going to go for it, but she conforms and doesn't allow Stephen Gostkowski to talk at all. So she talks and says, hey, thank you for supporting me and makes a couple of announcements. And she just water under the bridge like, OK, these photos are not going to print. And Cam was like relieved. And then a little bit after Allison confronts Cam and fears that his son is truly like not looking up to Cam in the way he should be. Cam later suggests to Sophie that it might be best for them to just stay together. So a lot kind of just happened. Was there anything that struck out as odd to you in these last few scenes? Well, I thought the whole blackmail thing, I I did not think that she was going to let herself get blackmailed. I really thought she was going to, I don't want to say make Cam pay for it. But she seems to be like the person that likes to be in control. And and, um, from what we've learned about Allison, I I just didn't think that she was going to give in that easily. Like, I thought she would have been like, you know, this is my time to shine. Like, you know, fuck your past. You know, you're a junkie. You're a druggie. You're not going to ruin my chances. You know, this is a scandal. It's going to be your scandal. It's not my scandal. Like, I'm going to get my endorsement and bam, you know, I'm going to be mayor. So I was surprised that she actually stood up and I think the consensus with all of us has been that we don't really like Allison, to be quite honest. But I liked her at that moment where she was basically like, Cam, 
you need to get your shit together. We've all suffered because of you. You know, we've tried doing it like the hard way. We've tried doing it the coddling way. We've tried doing it the way, you know, of sending you to therapy. None of it's worked. You really need to get your shit together. Like, we're not going to be saving your ass all the time. Like, I like that conversation that they had sort of like in the doorway. I thought that was a really strong scene. And for a character that I don't like, you know, I got to give her props for that. She's the one that brushed off the bells when Tessa and Cam found them, and Madeline was the one that hid them, so it's like they kind of, you know, hand-in-hand similarities, right? So I was very, like, happy about how she dealt with that. So Jess, what are you, uh, what stood out as odd to you? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I agree with Poppy completely. I did not think that Allison was going to cave into that blackmail. I honestly thought that she was going to spin it to make it look like, yes, my family goes through terrible things too. And I had to deal with Cam and his addiction. And But I've become a stronger person. And because of that, I'm more well-equipped to serve as your political representative. You know what? I, like, I thought she was going to spin it to her own benefit. And I honestly thought that she was tired of having to live with the strain of cam's addiction because clearly he's not getting better he seems to be on this vacillation path where he he says that he wants to get better but then he does the absolute worst thing in the world and just goes back to his ex and it's just not it's not a good time for anybody and um a couple of other things i love the actor that played the mayor so Enrico how do you pronounce his last name Colin Tony I'm probably pronouncing that terribly I butcher people's names I love him he was fantastic in Flashpoint so when I saw him I was like holy shit it's Sergeant Parker and I got like really excited and he's a very different character just from like this one episode I was like wow he knocked it out of the park so that was fantastic that was really fun to see and also um you know, when um, Madeline and Allison are standing by the front door or whatever and they're talking and all of a sudden the camera like cuts away and you see Gunther just like peering into the front window. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm not leaving. I like for such a tense scene, I was eating a popsicle while I watched that scene and like I had just taken a massive bite and I saw his face and I cackled so hard that a big chunk of popsicle got stuck in my throat so I was cackling and choking at the same time and I was oh like yes ruin their lives they just just nearly it. died for us I really like I was so <laughs> excited I really wanted him to like go in there and just expose all of their dirty laundry I wanted to give him a medal or something like I just that his face just popping up was so unexpected and he had the greatest facial expression in the world it was fantastic but i for me i'm just just really quick just to to interject because i had a similar moment like that my favorite line was when they were like when madeline was like oh don't tell me it's that woman talking about her cat again (laughs) yeah right oh my god i would have laughed so hard imagine if phyllis had somehow ended up like in the mayor's ear talking about Carmel? I think he would have handled it better than Madeline, actually. Because, I don't know, he seems like a pretty big jerk, but I think he would have he handled it. He seems like an oily guy. Like, one of those, like, 
oh yeah, I care. But then like, as soon as you're not looking, he like dusts off his suit where you touched him sort of thing. Well, he blackmailed Allison. Like that's- Which was awesome. Like I was like, yes. I actually really wanted him to go through with it anyway. This family deserves to be dragged to hell. So, now back at the police department, Brady looks on Detective Cutter's desk to find a proof of purchase for a belt in Madeline Hawthorne's name. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So Cutter oh, gosh. then goes to the Hawthorne residence the same night as the fundraiser to confront Madeline herself. And she's like, you know, could this not wait till tomorrow? So she says, hey, like, we have this bill of purchase saying that you purchased this belt and it's the exact same belt that was used in the murder. And she's like, nah, no, wasn't me. But Brady's right there and reveals that the DNA sample came back negative and Tessa is like peeking around the corner, listening. Then Madeline suggests Cutter looks into Gunther's background because she's like, I am so worried about him. I just fired him today. He is so suspicious. He's probably responsible for this. And Gunther was staring into the kitchen. A couple seconds later, we see we see uh, Tessa confronts Brady a few minutes later and about going behind her back and taking the DNA, even when she said no and her family said no. That's not okay. Like, in the grand scheme of things, she's like, you know what? You disobeyed what I wanted and needed from you. You did not come through for me. And he's just like, I just saved your whole family's butts. Tessa's response? Get out. I'm staying here for the night. That was really frustrating. Honestly, Sam, I agree with you. I really was not a fan of Tessa's behavior in the, through this entire episode because honestly if it came down to it if the DNA came back and it was Cam's and somehow you know this revelation would hurt Tess or like bring her to her knees or whatever I feel like her husband would do what he had to to protect her like I feel like he would be a soft place to land in an unfortunately difficult situation and so her reaction when he's obviously so relieved that they are in the clear and they have nothing to worry about, that bothers me. Your fears have basically been dispelled. You no longer have to worry about whether or not, you know, someone in your family is associated with that belt that was involved in that murder. Why are you freaking out? Why are you demanding that he sleep somewhere else? Like, no, you take the couch, he can have the bed, for doing the morally upstanding thing. Why are you being a twat? Because they're not in the clear. This is just like an alibi that they can use. This is true. Yeah. And what if Tess isn't like their biological child? What if she's not? Gunther's. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Does she look like Gunther? Your jeans. For all we know, she could be like the spitting image of like a grandpa or an aunt or something or somebody that we haven't seen or like maybe she was adopted. Like she's not related to this Hawthorne family at all. Actually, that's wishful thinking. I, I know she is, but still, that would be cool if she wasn't. She's Tessa Ross. She's no longer a Hawthorne by name. So it's like a lot's going to come out if this is what we're getting every week. They're slowly making, like, one of those, like, big stew pots where they just add everything in the fridge and it tastes delicious. Poppy, what do you, uh, have to say? 
Yeah, just to add on, because I feel like Jess uh, captured it perfectly, exactly how I was feeling. It was just disappointing. I was like, he's trying to save your guys' butt. And I know that I've sort of uh, drilled this point in throughout this entire podcast, but it's true. Like, you want him to be the one to help you all out. Like, you want him to be on your side. Like, he is married into this family, and at least from what we've seen, he's very committed to not only his wife, but to the family as a whole. So it's just disappointing that she reacted that way. Sure, maybe it was, uh, you know, not necessarily the best thing to do to go behind her back and uh, to uh, you know take her dna and that kind of thing but as just said he was doing it for the right reasons and as we saw it was the right reason because the blood that was on the belt that was used in uh, the final silver bells killer murder sbk was not a it was not blood from the Hawthorne family. So it was it was a little disappointing and I was like, oh, come on, Tessa, you're supposed to be the logical one. You're supposed to be the one that thinks. But when you're thinking with an emotional mindset, you're not thinking clearly at all. She's focused on one thing and emotions that should be coming out are not and the wrong ones are coming out instead. So she was very stoic, very level-headed. She's like, I just need to figure out who this murderer is before I deal with my dad. And now she's like, you know what? My husband did the right thing, but I am super mad because he disobeyed me to get there. I like that. I like that a lot. So speeding up a bit, we see Allison's campaign manager talking to her. Her husband. Yeah, her husband. He resigns on the spot. Like, he's very frustrated with her. Mm -hmm. So... What is Naomi to her? Like she, I think she's her campaign manager, yeah. I would assume. She's definitely in a uh, leadership position. The only reason I'm, I was confused as to who Tom was at the moment, because I knew it was her husband, but like he has been playing this campaign manager role more than her husband. Yeah, they're not really an affectionate couple, so I can see how if you just sort of like look at them, you're like... You know, who are these people and what's their connection? Oh, okay, it must be just business. I mean, like, I feel like he does try and do sweet things for her. And I feel like she she is basically ice vag with him. Like, remember when he gave her that music box after she talked about um, that story with her dad yes. and the music box? Yes. At the fu- I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. But obviously, if she can't reciprocate his feelings, she can't reciprocate his feelings. And I don't know if he realizes that she can't reciprocate his feelings or if he's just under the delusion that he married a frosty bitch, which may be true. Like, case we have never seen her actually be in, you know, a, a loving relationship either with her husband or with this other girl. So I I don't know if if that's just the way she is all the time like if she just steamrolls everyone and is absolutely a cold fish 100% of the time or if there is a soul out there who can kind of melt the icy walls around Allison's heart or if she's just not happy or if she just like doesn't like people like maybe that's her personality type. Maybe she has the perfect family 
so she can be elected mayor, but maybe she's a lesbian because once she goes to debrief with Naomi, Naomi kind of just, they've been drinking some wine, so it's a little bit relaxed. And mm-hmm. Naomi comes on to her, and I was just like, that was that flashing. Let's be honest. Yeah. We knew this oh, since absolutely. the first episode. Yes. To be quite honest. Each other, that's how she should be looking at her husband, but she looks at Naomi that way, and that's just like. But, like, does he know, or does no. he. Like, no, does he doesn't he know. And, and to be quite honest, she might not be ready to out herself. Because it seems as if she comes from a very conservative family. And uh, just speaking politically, she mentioned that Conley had taken in uh, President Obama's social media expert or something like that. So that means, since they're running against each other, that he's a Democrat and she's a Republican. And Republicans Uh are very conservative people. And she comes from a, a very strict conservative upbringing so maybe she's just not ready to announce it to the world she's you know keeping it to herself and maybe that's more of it she's in the closet in a sense although how in the closet are you if you're making out with your lover with all the windows and blinds open and that's who she's texting when she's upset like with her kids that first episode she wasn't texting tom it was naomi and she was very comfortable just doing that Correct, but it was just weird. Well, that wasn't weird in a sense because, I mean, she could be texting work. So it's not like he was right over her shoulder reading it. But you had just gone through a situation where people were snapping pictures of your brother and you're making out with her with the lines open. I just thought that was so weird and and stupid. (laughs) That was was out of character um, because Allison is usually... As we've said before, like, she needs everything to be presented in a certain way. And I really don't, honestly, like, I was surprised. I was like, what if somebody, because it's not like they were, like, hidden or anything. Like, anybody could have walked into that room. Phyllis. Yeah, Phyllis could have totally been watching, or, like, Gunther, with that that creepy laugh-worthy face of his like he could have like you know what i mean like it just didn't ring true to her character and like i understand being like overcome with emotion or or lust or whatever and like she needs that right now oh my it kind of doesn't jive with what we know about her character and it also just doesn't seem like a smart thing to do like it just kind of seems like an out of character throwaway moment because for somebody that has to have a handle on the smallest details about her life and her campaign to be so careless with something like that that could politically damage her campaign or what she's trying to you know achieve in the eyes of the public I just that didn't ring true for me. Wine. That's true. Maybe it was some so, good wine. Yeah. And it was it was a pretty stressful night. Like she did have to do a bunch of stuff that she was not planning on doing. Which again, like I just thought of this now. But does it bother anyone else that it seems like everybody in the family except for Garrett kind of bends to what Cam wants? 
or something to do with Cam and his addiction and all of the, like, no. it. Like, it just kind of hit me now, but, like, did anybody else notice that? No. Everybody except for Garrett is kind of, like, just, ugh, no, I, I don't like that dynamic. I just noticed it now. I noticed it, yes. Am I surprised? No. He is the outside child. Madeline went out of her way to take photos off of their wall the second we started watching the show. Like, that was the first thing. And I realized that afterwards, because we didn't know who Garrett was. We knew somebody was disgraced in the family, and it's Garrett. Yeah, which of everything, you would think that it would be Cam, given everything that he's put them through. So there's something different, like, there's something that distinguishes Cam from Garrett. Because Garrett, as far as we know, doesn't have a history with substance abuse or putting his family through any of that. Or you know what I mean? Because it, it... So I wonder, what did Garrett do that was so much worse he didn't than what conform. they had gone through with Cam? Madeline needs control, too. That's where Allison gets it from. Where do you think that comes from? Allison and Madeline are super unlikable. Honestly, I would vote for the other mayor simply for the <laughs> fact that he, that he had oh my gosh. the stones to show up at someone else's party and eat their food. Like, if you're brave enough oh, to well, wander come on. into you, you any gotta love a stuffed mushroom and eat someone's food, you deserve a vote. Unless you're a jackass. But, like, I really liked him. I thought he was funny. And I really want him to expose Cam. I really, really want that to be a thing. Like, I want her to wake up and see the photos of Cam in the morning newspaper. And I'm going to be like, you deserve this. Because I, I still feel like Allison knows more about this than she's letting on. Like, maybe she blocked it out, or maybe she's willfully repressing it or hiding it, or, like, maybe she does remember and she's just not speaking about it. Either way, I feel like she is aware of something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Garrett didn't conform to whatever their mother wanted them to do, and, like, that's why their relationship is so tarnished. Cam has issues with substance abuse because he's been in direct contact with a body. If you see a body, if you have to deal with a body... If you have to dispose of a body, you are going to be messed up eternally. You bring up a good point. I wonder if everybody tolerates Cam's substance abuse because he has somehow seen the most or done the most for their mother. So they're kind of trying to make up for that. And it mellows him out, but it actually doesn't because like, he has to deal with the aftermath. And that's why he's like struggling right now with going back to Sophie and... You know, because she's the enabler and she's still doing it. And he's trying to be clean. So after Naomi and Allison, after that whole situation, Madeline admits that she tipped off Molly about Garrett's whereabouts. Allison made an out-of-character move with Naomi. And then in turn, Madeline did the same with that whole Molly thing. And she says it's because she wants him to be happy in this life. Why would he be unhappy? So finally, we see Tessa and Madeline, and they're very worried about the killer being someone close to them. They just can't touch it. They don't know who it is. Then they hear a loud bang, a loud noise in the shed. So they go outside, and the shed is open. And then they turn to look into the shed, and they see Gunther hanging by the electrical wire. And they're screaming and crying. And the last part of the scene, we see a note on the shelf in the shed saying, I'm sorry. Any final thoughts on what just happened in the last, like, five minutes? 
I'm so sad. Gunther was my favorite. I knew you'd he be sad. He was your friend. I, I was so sad. I was like, what? No, I was cackling at you a couple of minutes ago. And now I'm, I'm sad. It made the rest of my popsicle taste like bitterness. But I also noticed that um, Tess, like, freaked out, was crying. Allison, like, her eyes widened, and, like, maybe she was horrified, but I just kind of felt Madeline? like she was like, Madeline, oh my goodness. Madeline <laughs> you just mean Margaret? Sorry. Margaret? <laughs> Madeline was just kind of, like, looking like, eh, okay, all right, I got to deal with this now. Gunther, come clean the- oh. Wait, he can't come clean this up. <laughs> it's Gunther. I really gotta get a new Gunther. I gotta get a Gunther 2.0. You can't replace but this guy. But what's interesting to me is also the note. Like, I I don't want to jump to any sorts of conclusions, so I'm gonna tentatively put forward, maybe he's apologizing to the kids, or like, the innocent people in that household are like as innocent as they can be. And he's apologizing because he knew something and he didn't share it. And he just let things like he let the status quo happen when he could have made a difference in all of their lives. You know what I mean? Yes, because he was the one that said, hey, Mitch doesn't have dementia. You're crazy. But I think he was apologizing to Madeline. Like he just got fired all of a sudden. He's been there for, I assume, since this whole thing started. So probably like 15 years or more. So I think he was apologizing because he didn't know what he did wrong. Madeline just said, this is your last day. No ifs, ands, or buts, or reasons. You're just gone. I do think that, yeah, he knew something and he could have helped the siblings and just... I do wonder, like, we know that he has been around for a long time and we know that he's been a loyal member of the household. But I do wonder, like, how long exactly he's been with them. Like, has he been with them since before the kids came around? Has he been with them since, you know, they were little? Like, when did they bring him on? How much did he see? And how much did he cover up or not cover up? In my like, experience? Did he, did he tell someone? Did he, you know what I mean? Maintenance guys see a lot more than we we see so i really think that oh he, yeah he didn't seem right though did he he just seems very dark and it's like you know he's seen some some stuff this could go either two ways number one this could be a complete misdirect red herring and he actually committed suicide or number two he was murdered and uh, made to look like a suicide and the I'm sorry was maybe meant to be like, I'm sorry for all the Silver Bells murders and that kind of thing. Hmm. Since it was the cliffhanger, obviously, we don't have any more information. So we don't know which route they're going to be taken. But I think those are the only two options. So we'll see. Because it could be that maybe somebody's trying to pin stuff on him. Maybe not. I yes. don't know, but it, it, it was suspicious nonetheless. I, I think any death from here on out has to be looked upon with a suspicious eye. And, and one thing before we... I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be changing subjects soon. We didn't talk about the doll he made. Uh, it was the doll of his cousin, and he ended up putting 
Phyllis's dentures yes. in it. Yes, okay. And so. it, the dentures were, like, clicking, and I was like, that's too much for my life. Like, I was honestly relieved, because I thought that he had, like, stolen a body part or like cut off her head i know he's a child but that's what i thought so when it was just the dentures i was kind of relieved just to recap because i didn't really know where to throw this in jack has been not amused in his therapy sessions and the therapist tried puppets on him and he's like you know what that's not anatomically correct where are its teeth so jack takes it upon himself to steal phyllis's teeth so he can make a real life puppet so he takes Harper's doll, cuts out the mouth area, and puts Phyllis's teeth in it. And I have yet to see Phyllis's reaction to this, but I cannot wait to see what she says. But yes, yeah, so she's just gumming around. Yeah, with me can't. Like I can with me can't. <laughs> Please do that again. With me can't. With me. Oh my gosh! I didn't notice that you did that. She can no longer eat solids, y'all. She has other uh, problems to uh, deal with in the morning, so. But yes, yeah, so that was very disturbing. Any other thoughts before we go into the episode rating? I just thought when he was, like, using it as a puppet and the denture started, like, clicking on each other. Oh. That was so gross. That was the worst, but like the best, but the worst. Never do that again. His face. And then he was trying to be all adorable, and but then like once he was done, he like had like the demon face. He is I'm pretty he sure that he is actually Satan. I really think he had a part in. I don't know how he's nine, but I really think Cam showed him something or he came upon something and he was just like I like this I'm just gonna start getting into the weirdest crap I can find because it, it delights me so I don't know but I really think that's because how else would you explain that also because of his parents they're a little bit off the rockers but so that has a, a part bit. I'm being modest credit to the actor that plays Jack because I, I don't think I have seen another child actor play this part you know of the budding psychopath with such a degree of subtlety but also just downright creepiness like he manages to balance both and as much as jack i'm like oh no it, that needs to be exercised right now that needs to like we need to dump a truckload of holy water on that child like he's portrayed so well so kudos to the actor whose name i don't actually know so now that we have finished our recap... Well, uh, actually, wait. We forgot um, the woman that uh, Garrett was stalking. It turns out she's the daughter of one of the SBK victims. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. And can I say, remember the scars and, and that kind of stuff? And um, she was yes. like... Where'd you get the stars from? Where'd you get the scars from? In the beginning, when we saw him in the car cutting his um, hand, oh yes. I was like, oh, please don't tell me he's a cutter. But then I remembered, oh no, she was she was dressed in scrubs. So I was like, okay, that's how he's going to try to meet her. Oh. I thought that was interesting and weird. At the same time, how he... He, he he like collected all the information on her to meet her and, and I'm curious to know why he wants to speak with her 
I know why now. If she was one of the victims, indirectly, he's gonna ask her or whoever he can find. He went away because he couldn't get away from this, but he needs to know answers. And if Mitch can't now, because he's dead, he's gonna go to victims if he can find the information. I think he's really trying to get as much information as possible on anyone affected by this killer because he's not getting the answers that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so since we finished our recap, it's time to rate this episode. You may rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 silver bells. Poppy, what are you going to rate this episode? I rate this episode a strong nine, nine silver bells. I thought this was a really well done episode. There was so much going on, so many reveals and uh, so many interesting plot points for our characters. We got to know a little bit more about this family, a little bit more about what they experienced. I liked everything that we saw in the episode all the storyline progressions i thought it was a really strong episode i enjoyed the episode a lot so i grant this episode nine silver bells ding 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 awesome so we have a nine all right jess so what are you going to rate this episode eight silver bells i really i thought that this was you know a better episode than the one previous and I'm just enjoying the show as it comes but honestly I'm I struggle every week to kind of find a likable character because like this week I usually like Tess a lot and I'm rooting for her but this week she was unlikable I I couldn't get behind her the only you know character that I felt sympathy for I think was the therapist Brady Oh yeah, Brady too. Brady too. Phyllis? I feel like this episode would have been so improved if Batman had just shown up and beat the shit out of everybody. But especially More. Cam. Yes, or... especially Cam's glasses need to be like yanked off of his face, stomped on, and broken. Is that too much? <laughs> no. Is that a little bit much? You know what? Gunther needs to like they need to say that, like, that wasn't the real Gunther. It was just a fake out. And the real Gunther needs to come back and, like, expose everyone and be like, oh, I hate you all. And uh, I'm sending you all to prison. Okay, bye. Gunther, come back. I need your face. All right. So we have a nine and we have an eight. Okay. So I was struggling to pick between eight and nine, but I really do have to go with nine because there is just so many good things about this episode that hearing this discussion with you guys tonight it just confirmed a lot of things for me and opened a lot of other doors that I didn't even think would be opened and I'm just very excited even though it's a cliffhanger and it's it looks bad for going through right now seems to be dead I do think Jess has something there that he might just come back at the last second and say I have something to say pull a Garrett and just like (laughs) confess everything all right so we have two nines and an eight now on to my favorite part of the podcast predictions who do you guys think the silver bells killer is one guest per host which person is most likely the killer I'll start with Jess 
Uh, I'm gonna say Madeline. Just <gasps> yes. because she honestly we've already seen that she has no problem taking out someone that she loves and she watched him die. Not only that, but she was the reason that he died. Like she literally watched herself kill him. And I I don't think that a person with you know, that empathy chip that Cam was talking about, I really don't think that a person that had one of those would be able to do that. It's just such an evil, cowardly, but also methodical thing to do. Like, and I really think that possibly she had the biggest hand in screwing up all of those children. Yes. Poppy, what do you think? You know... You sound like Justin. Uh, oh, thank you. We are, <laughs> oh, we are merging into the same person. It's kind of scary. Yes. Oh, gosh. A. <laughs> a. But, okay. So this is episode three, and we have ten episodes left. It's going to be funny in ten episodes if I look back and I'm like, why are you picking that nice lady? But I have to go with Tessa. I have to go with Tessa. I feel like, especially that conversation at the end with her mother, where she's like, oh, you know, I really feel like the Silver Bells killer is somebody close to us. And then, like, Madeline's like, yeah, me too. And, like, she's looking dead at her. And she's, and in my oh. mind, I'm like reading her mind, and I'm like, yeah, me too, because I'm looking at you, bitch. You've killed people when you were a little girl. So, mm. I don't know. I, I just, I found that conversation so suspicious. And I'm still on Tessa. Like I said her last week, and I think it's probably the most controversial choice. But I'm sticking with it. Like, I, I just, at the moment, I know that Cam was kind of like a psychopath, like his child when he was younger and Garrett is like all types of shady because he disappeared but I feel like Garrett is trying to get to the bottom of things yes whereas we yes. kind of feel like Tessa's trying to get to the bottom of things but I feel like because Tessa's nice like we maybe believe she's doing it for good reasons and because Garrett disappeared and he came back we probably think he's doing it for shading reasons but I feel like it's the opposite like Tessa's doing it because maybe she just doesn't remember and Garrett's doing it because he really wants to find out you know for good reasons find out the truth so yeah. I don't know I just I feel like it's Tessa and it's going to be hilarious if I got it right because it's like she's like the least likely person at least from what we've seen like she seems to be like a really sweet like sugar pie and rainbows and riding on unicorns type of chick but I got my eye on you Tessa so we have one on Madeline and one on Tessa. I am going to personally stick with Madeline. I, <gasps> oh no, I've stuck with this. This has been my answer for the last three weeks and I'm not going to change it because, so that conversation was suspicious between Tessa and Madeline, but I personally believe that like, just like Jack, nobody that young can be so comfortable with this. And I think, yes, Tessa is comfortable, but I think Madeline made her do it. I don't think Tessa had any free will. If she was, I don't know how old she is, but... She mentioned that she's 27, I think. Okay, so she would have been 13. 
So she would have been like 11, 10, 11 when it started. At that point, I don't think you have free will in the sense that you are allowed to disobey your parents. I really don't think Madeline was a good mom because I really think she coaxed them to do certain things for whatever reasons that I really, I can't even begin to fathom just yet. It's too early. There's qualities about all of the kids that don't line up. That all comes back to the parents. And Madeline has the most to hide and she just brushes every serious thing off where it's just like, I'm in charge of the company, but I am selling it. And that is that. And there is no discussion. And they all just kind of are like, okay, they're under her control still. And they're like almost in their 30s, all of them. So it's like, that's really suspicious. And yes, she was staring at Tess, but it's like, she's very domineering. So for me, I'm still with Madeline because she is way too important to look over. Any other thoughts before we close? I really don't think that Garrett is is chasing after that doctor whose name I forget. Why am I always forgetting everyone's name? Christina. Is Is it Christina? Yes. Okay, that one's easy to remember. I feel like, honestly, like he wants to piece this together or he wants to like see what she knows. And I hope that it's not for a nefarious purpose. Like I hope that he's not trying to get close to her to somehow hurt her or like protect his family's secret. I don't think that that's what it is. I think that he genuinely wants to help her. And I feel like, again, he's going about this like a creepy mofo, like just completely the wrong way. But I feel like maybe he has good intentions and I do want to see where it goes. And I, despite everything and everyone on this show, pointing to the fact that you cannot trust anyone and everything is terrible and everyone on this show lies and needs to be like fire hose sprayed with holy water like I really hope that Garrett only has the best of intentions with Christina and I hope that he is able to get her justice for her father's death because when she was talking about like the fact that they were closing in on the killer that smile that he gave her was like oh oh honey no they're they're not even close but i know we can only hope right all right well thank you everyone for listening join us next time for a brand new installment of the silver bells murders visit poppychularadio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more Registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for The Silver Bells Murders and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chula Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychularadio. Follow our show on Tumblr, thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a very good night. Good night, listeners. SBK, we're following the clues and we're going to get you. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific 
for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Good night. Ooh.